Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. Today we're joined by the new leader of Plaid Cymru, Rhun Apiorwyth. Hello Rhun, how are you? Oh, oh, very well, thank you. Good to have you here. Oh, thank you very much for inviting us. Um, I suppose the best question to start with is how have you found the last few weeks? <laughs> it's been a, a hectic few, few weeks. It's, it's been a bit of a whirlwind really. Um, obviously I had in, embarked on another uh, path that may have taken mm. me to uh, Westminster, the whole decision-making process about then uh, uh, changing direction and, and then of course uh, being uh, elected as the, the leader and, and coming into a role which is you're incredibly in, intense in those first few days, things needing to get done, but being incredibly humbled and honoured at having the opportunity and looking forward now to hopefully, you know, giving it my best shot and making the best of the opportunity. Now, we, we, you know, we talk about that opportunity path. We had considered asking you to come on when it was announced that you would be standing uh, for the at least one seat in the Westminster elections. But can, can you talk about why you initially made that decision? Uh, people, some people have put it down to my personal ambition, and the first thing I'd say it was certainly nothing to do with with that. And uh, and I believe you're very strongly in trying to use whatever influence I might have or whatever skills I might have in the best possible way in the interest of my community, mm. my constituency and of Wales. And I came to the conclusion that standing for Westminster was the was the best way for me to do that. I, I believe you know that that Plaid Cymru has always punched above its above its weight at Westminster. I could see that um, you know there would be real value in strengthening that team in Westminster. But I also wanted my own community, my constituency, to be represented in a different way. Um, so I was happy to have made that decision. But of course, something then happened that I hadn't exactly yeah. fore, fore, foreseen, uh, and which led to a, you know, a, a very, very um, difficult and quite painful period of, of trying to gauge again then how I could best use my influence, arriving at the decision to put my name forward for the leadership. Um, ultimately, a decision again that I was very, very comfortable with, um, but that doesn't make it any, any less yeah. difficult. Talk a little bit about that process, deciding you were going to stand to be leader of Plaid Cymru. What, on the personal level, what kind of decisions were you making in your head about that? And, and, and then again, on a political level, what kind of discussions are you having about how that would come about? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. And these are the questions that I was asking myself in a way. I consider myself to have made sort of four big political decisions. One, to leave the BBC and yeah. I'll leave my, my work as a journalist and, and stand for election in 2013. Secondly, to put my name forward uh, for the leadership in 2018. Then to stand to Westminster and then uh, to uh, put my name forward for the, for the leader. And that was the most difficult decision this time. And again you don't want it to be seen as something oh you know he's pushing his own amb ambition sure. here putting his own ambition to be the leader of the party he said he's wanted to be the leader once in 2018 and now he's seen his mm -hmm. chance so you know i was i was very aware that it could be seen uh, in that way and it really wasn't having said that of course uh, of course I, I i i must have wanted to see is this something that I can make a contribution uh, to? I wanted to give time to others. 
um, because having made that decision to go to Westminster, were there others who were really, really keen to put their names forward? Um, that would have potentially changed my uh, position uh, as well. But you talk to lots of people, people who um, you um, think highly of, um, people who you think uh, have words of wisdom to, to offer. Uh, and I came to the point in the end where it was quite clear to me, um, especially through talking to members of the group here in the Senate, that they were looking um, for unity behind a candidate. And if they were calling for me to be that person, I, I, I had to do it. And I, and I don't, don't say had in a begrudging way, you know, I'm excited about yeah. this opportunity, um, but I see it as a very um, serious duty that I, that I take on and take it on humbly. Do you think the party could have benefited from a contest, though, in terms of maybe an opportunity for the members to decide the way forward they wanted the party, the sort of political decisions they wanted the party to be taking? It's a question that's been asked a number of times, and I, I can genuinely see it both ways, in that, yes, it can be an energising thing for a, for a party. It can be good for the leader herself or himself to come in uh, with a, a mandate mm. that has come from an election. Yeah, that, that's quite, quite clear. On the other hand, perhaps at this point in time in particular, there was real benefit in having that unity behind one candidate. Uh, and I think that's come through strongly in the views of, of many people that I've talked to across the party. That's certainly the majority view that I've, that I've heard. But yeah, you can look at it in both ways. But I want to repay that trust that they've shown in me and I'll be going through you know, a pretty intense, hopefully, engagement process mm. of going out to, to speak with those party members who didn't have a chance to talk to me in, in Hustings. That's, that's really important to me. So obviously the week you were elected, some quite senior members in the party came out saying that they thought that the next leader should be a woman. How are you going about sort of dealing with some of those concerns and, and making people feel comfortable in, in your leadership? Firstly, I, I sympathise, of course, with people saying that at this particular time in our history, in, in the context of the Nerys Evans uh, report, that there's a, a strong argument that a, that a woman uh, would be able to look at all those issues from a, a different perspective, and I absolutely uh, agree with and, and get that. But at the end of the day, there needed to be a woman who was uh, willing to put their, uh, their names forward, and it turned out for, that for, a, for a host of, of reasons uh, that this time that didn't come about. I then have to, to show that I will do everything that I can to uh, address the concerns of women in, in particular. I made it, you know, intentionally the first thing that I referred to when I announced that I was putting my name forward. Uh, I've been conversations with people, given assurances that this, you know, the whole issue of equality, um, a, a, a genuine level playing field being felt for everybody within the party is something that's important uh, to me. Hopefully I uh, showed enough um, of a commitment to gain that initial uh, trust but that's only the start, and it's going to be in my actions ultimately that I that I show that I'm serious about these things. I mean, much has been made uh, primarily, you know, in, in some news outlets such as Nation, uh, Cymru, in the last few days that there's rumours about uh, around that someone is trying to install a female co-leader. I think, you know, you've you've already made a, a brief statement that yeah. saying that that's not true. But could you, would you mind explaining a little bit about what is actually happening? Yeah, I, I will. I found this to be a, a strange one um, because. 
um, yeah, there was a story that I was being uh, undermined by an attempt to put on the agenda um, you know, co-leadership. What actually happened is that I presented a paper to the national uh, exec of the party, which the exec um, uh, agreed to, proposing uh, to do work on uh, leadership roles across the party and securing equality in leadership roles across the party. So that's all that, that happened. So it's either me plotting against myself or, or something else that I'm not quite able to get my, my head around. But that's, that's what happened because, as I say, I'm, I'm keen to show in my actions that when it comes to talking about equality, uh, of opportunity within the party, that the idea of shared leadership, which is a multifaceted thing, you know, I'm, I'm serious about, you know, I, I'm not here to be a dictator in this party. Mm -hmm. I'm here to be, yes, a leader, but, but a leader among many other leaders within the party. Let's talk a little bit about you know, what's led us here. The, the Project Pal report, what was your sort of initial assessment and reaction to, to the findings of Neris Evans's report? Upsetting, distressing, because this is a, a party that I have, uh, have known all my life, have okay, only been active uh, in for the past 10 years, though as a, as, as a you know, in my teenage years, I was, uh, I was active uh, too. Um, but, but it was deeply uncomfortable to read about um, this party that means so much to me because of what it means for Wales being described in this way. But I think if, if you see it in the context of what it is, you know, it, it's something that affects so many political parties, not just in this country even, and so many organisations. Goodness me, it seems, you know, another organisation a week having, having to recognise what we recognised. What we have, of course, is a, is a plan. We have these recommendations. We, we did the forensic work. We got the buy-in from the whole party, I think, to deal with this issue. And that's what enables me to be positive, you know, only a few months after reading uh, that report, which, which is something that, that all of us, as I say, found very distressing. Talk a little bit about the uh, process of implementing those recommendations. How far along is the party in terms of that? And you know, not that this process is ever necessarily finished, but when do you think that uh, you'll be able to say that the, at least these recommendations are yeah. implemented? And of course, you know, it's the, the, you know, implementing these recommendations isn't something that happens after I became the new yeah. party leader. I think we were up to a fifth or a quarter, I can't remember the exact figure, but a significant number of the recommendations had already been either fully or partly implemented. You know, before I became leader of the party and, you know, under a new chief executive and with this real buy-in from across the party to drive this forward and you know as political parties work the subgroups and the subcommittees and the and the people getting together to make sure that we're, that we're not gonna um, let this one slip I'm confident that we're on the on the way there it's not something uh, that we'll say in five years time right that's it it's got to be in months not yeah. not in years and it will be a challenge it's, uh, for us to show these have these things have been done and it'll be in how people feel within the party it'll be about how um, empowered people feel to be engaged at all levels in the party and it'll be up to me working with others here to, to make sure that we have the mechanisms in place not just to deliver the recommendations but to actually show that they have been uh, have been delivered is there any one person in charge of implementing these recommendations um, uh, 
Yes, there are a number of individuals that you can actually say, you know, that the buck stops here and I absolutely uh, include me there. And you include the chief executive of the party there. We have the chief uh, whip and this Senate group looking at this. And, you know, there are lots of individuals here. Very few things, I think, are ever down to sort of one person uh, being uh, absolutely responsible for delivering and monitoring and taking responsibility. This is a collective effort, but absolutely I take my, my share of, of, of that ultimate responsibility for making sure this is done. How involved do you think the leader's office should be in these sort of processes, though? Do you think that you, you need to be the guiding hand, or do you think there should be a degree of being removed from the process to make sure there's, you know... It's 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 a it it moves in a smooth fashion. It, it, it's a bit of both. I mean, yeah. the, the chief executive of, of the party working with the national executive committee uh, are the ones who will be driving the processes forward. What I want to make sure that uh, I I am able to do as the leader of the party is to know exactly what's happening, where and when what input specifically needs to come uh, in from me at particular areas, but, but ultimately to, to, to take that responsibility for communicating also with people um, that, that steps are being taken. And I'll need to know that they are being taken before I'm willing uh, to say that. You know, I, I'm positive about this because we have that roadmap and I'm immensely grateful to Nerys Evans for the work that she did because she provides us with a way forward. And when you hear politicians of other parties say, you know what, we need to implement the recommendations of the Nerys Evans report, it makes me think that we're on the right track. Uh, and you know, we've, we take full responsibility for, uh, for this and we're serious about it. I mean, it has been a sort of plague on everyone's house, hasn't it, in the last few years, unfortunately? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I, hear, I hear some people even say, oh, you know, don't, don't say it, it, it's something for everybody. Let's really take ownership of this, and, and we do. It, it's not in any way saying, you know, uh, trying to diminish our own responsibility by pointing out that this is societal, mm. that it affects so many organisations. It's just uh, true. We're in the positive position of having recognized it, having realized that we needed to commission this, uh, this report and having received the recommendations, been absolutely determined uh, to put all the, all the changes in place. So when you were elected leader, you said that your aim was to create a fairer, greener, ambitious, more prosperous Wales. What yeah. does that mean in policy terms to you? I mean, you can, you can you can break that up. I mean, there's there's a lot of crossover between the fa fairness and the uh, and the equality. There's a lot of uh, lot of correlation there. I, I I see such a a broad range of things that government has failed to address on the inequalities agenda in Wales. I've spent a lot of my time uh, on uh, on the health uh, portfolio since I was elected. Inequalities in health are something that shame us as a, uh, as a nation, I think. So I want to see government making sure that it prioritizes uh, equality. You know, fairness along very similar lines, you know, fairness for, for children, fairness, equality of opportunity, you know, rolling out free school, free school lunches, making sure that um, life chances aren't held back in, in the immensely unfair way they are currently because of, of a child's uh, background and, and upbringing. Prosperity, I, I believe very, very strongly in the need to talk 
you know, the language of aspiration for individuals and communities in, in Wales. I want us to be a more prosperous country that we are now, and that means everything. You know, it's not, it's not just financial, is it? You know, it's, it's quality of, of life. You know, Wales uh, prospering. Uh, greener, you know, when people ask me, what have we got that will allow us to be uh, an independent country? I mean, there's a whole you know, very rather long list of things we'll that get, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> but, but our ability to generate green energy, you know, to, 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 uh, to really prioritise renewables, that, that's really important to me. And confidence, it all comes together in, in that confidence agenda. We, we have lacked in confidence as a, as a nation. And uh, I, I don't think we need to be. You know, I, I, I think that uh, I believe in, in doing politics with a smile on my face. I think as a nation, we could be on the front foot in the same kind of way with that uh, confident uh, approach. You've got that book over your shoulder, you know, <laughs> in, in footballing terms, you know, that, that energy that came, that was just sport, okay? But the energy that came from, you know, Euros and, and World Ooh. Cups is something I, I believe can be replicated across the board in, in the way that we think ourselves as a nation. I mean, the language of ambition is, is a fascinating topic to me. It's something that a lot of people have criticised parties of the left for a long time for, is just not having necessarily that, that, that language of ambi ambition and, and aspiration. Why, though, fundamentally, is that so important to you? I mean, I, I consider Wales to be a very normal country. You know, I, I want to, you know, that, that's where my belief in independence comes from. You know, I, I, normal countries are independent uh, countries, and, and I think... There's a real alignment between our confidence in our own ability to run our own uh, affairs that, that tells, you know, and, and the fact that we've got a little bit of, of a way to go yet on, on convincing people that, that tells us that we're lacking in confidence as a, as a nation. You know, nations who are independent take it, take it for granted that they're, that they're independent. They have that, that confidence. And, I, and, and I, I truly believe that sort of oozes into every aspect of, of society. Uh, our confidence in being able to tackle inequalities, our confidence in being able to build the kind of prosperity that, that, we, are, that we want. And maybe it is, is it a Welsh thing? I don't know. <laughs> um, but maybe we're, we are shy uh, of wanting to push ourselves. I don't want us to be shy, and I don't think we need to be uh, shy. I think it could be an incredibly exciting place for a, for a young country to be you know, on, that, on that path to something new and better, knowing that the way it has been has been, you know, hasn't worked for us, has it? No, I was going to say, your colleague Luke Fletcher in uh, Economy Questions yesterday was, was talking about how, unfortunately at the moment, this doesn't feel like a very good country to be in if you're a young person, with, you know, rents rising, mortgages going up, uh, wages stagnating. How would you start to tackle that, though? So much of that is a macroeconomic issue, isn't it, surely? Um, I, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I, I believe there are things that we can do to, to show that we have more of a commitment to our young people than we currently uh, have. I think some of the things that we're talking about that we've been able to drive through on, on housing, for example, has put you know, front and centre our belief that our young people should be able to aspire to having a home in their own community. And actually, you know what, we want them to have a job with a good wage that allows them to rent that house or buy that, that, that house within their community and that they can aspire to have a, have, a good, uh, have a good life. But we, you know, as policy makers, as politicians, as, as leaders, we have to give young people a reason to be excited about uh, about their their country, and, and you know, we have to lead in, in showing that ambition. We see, you know, in the youngest politicians that we have here, you know, members of the youth parliament, and it was an incredible honour to to give my 
I guess, my first speech as a party leader in the Senate to a joint meeting of the Youth Parliament uh, and, and the Senate. And you're surrounded there by young people who are confident, you know, who wanted to put their names forwards as young teenagers uh, to, you know, be the voice of their, uh, of their peers. And, you know, they're excited about that future of Wales as I am. We've got to spread that out to people who don't have opportunity, who have been persuaded and all face the reality of having to move away. You know, that, that, that really worries me and I want to change that. So many of the policies you've been talking about are, you know, are as a result of the cooperation agreement. Mm. How do you balance the fact that you are in an agreement with the Welsh Government and the need to hold them to account? I've been very comfortable in doing it. You know, I've been in a, a brief that has uh, had to mean uh, some of the firmest of <laughs> holding to account, I guess, mm. in, in health, because I, I, uh, I, I believe Welsh Government is failing to run the NHS in Wales as, the, as they should. And, and yes, we've, we've had to be pretty firm in uh, uh, laying out uh, our alternatives for the future of the NHS and in criticising some of the actions of the current uh, health minister. But I don't find that impossible to square with working with government in order to implement policy that makes a positive difference to people's lives. And we've done that. You know, it's, uh, and I'm, I'm really proud of, School lunches is, is, is one, uh, clearly, where there has been a, an absolute about turn, where we were trying to get government to implement free school lunches for all children where parents were recipients of universal credit, and, and we couldn't get that across the line. But suddenly, in a cooperation agreement, we've managed to make it universal across um, primary schools and want to expand that. Um, but when I look at what we've managed to do in housing, um, as somebody who lives in an area where there's uh, a great deal of tourism and where there is a high level of second home ownership, I see the impact that that has on our communities. I've failed in the past to persuade government to take action uh, on that. Um, remember former first minister when I was you know, telling him that government had to close the loophole which allowed people to register a, a second home as a, as a business and the response was there is no loophole, they're not doing anything illegal. And my response was exactly that's, the, <laughs> that, that's the, the loophole. And now we've been able to implement policy that will make a difference, that is already making a difference. Now I think that's a positive thing, I think it's a mature thing and I think it's a thing that can be done in parallel with really holding government firmly to account. But I also get why some people are finding it difficult to square. And I get, you know, for political reasons, why, you know, Tories say, oh, it's a coalition. Well, it's not a coalition. Um, it's mature politics. You know, how, how do you go about, though, for the benefit of Plaid Cymru, selling the fact that it is you who has caused these changes yep. rather than the Welsh Government who eventually gets to implement them? And, you know, as we've seen with free school meals, in a large way, take the credit. Uh, they tried to take the credit. Um, I, I think anybody who looks at it objectively will see that this one came from, mm. from Plaid, but you're absolutely right. And you, know, you can look at so many examples where parties in coalition or in various cooperation agreements have you know, suffered a bit because governments with their might and their, their machinery, you know, by definition, a party being the biggest party in, uh, and in government being able to claim uh, the credit. 
we have to work against that. You know, my background is in um, journalism, broadcasting, communications, and you know, if there's something I can contribute to the party in strengthening that communication side, taking that message directly to people, not just you know on the social media. That's that's not how I I'm, I don't want to be a leader by social media. Mm. I want to go out there. I want to talk to people in all parts of Wales, explaining what it is that we do. I know Labour will be doing the same thing as well, but you know I, I believe that you know, we we can do this, uh, and people will see that there's a that there's a pattern here of things that you know Plaid have had on the agenda for a while weren't being done by this Labour government, and they are now. How do you think the cooperation agreement is working? And don't worry, I don't want a, a running commentary or the phone that's involved. But how do you think how do you think it is performing? And, and do you think there needs to be some greater focus on delivering? some of the aspects of that cooperation because there's, there's not a huge amount of time left on the deal for the amount of promises that are in that document. Yeah, uh, no, uh, I think it's uh, about sort of respect and maturity in the relationship uh, in driving things forwards. All I can say is to, to give you an assurance that from what I've seen in this sort of brief period, because I haven't been closely involved mm. with cooperation agreement, uh, working uh, up to now, that I'm hugely uh, impressed with you know, the professionalism on both sides. There's, there's an agreement here. It's a set uh, of agreements. There are parameters to it. That makes it clear. There's no, there's no straying. Uh, there's no bringing other things in. People, people ask, sometimes ask me, why didn't you get health in the agreement? Well, because we didn't agree on, mm. on health. I don't agree with what, what Labour's doing in health. So it's defined. Uh, and there's real determination to get uh, get things over the line. Um, and yes, it, we're down to the last you know year and a half. Moving on to Senate reform being massively important, a huge part of it. You know that there, there are deliverables to a timescale that I'm I'm confident that we can uh, keep to. Uh, obviously, the, the cooperation agreement doesn't run for the full length of the Senate term. Do you think you post that agreement? Do you think that there would be any scope for uh, <clears throat> the kind of arrangements you, the Plaid Cymru have had with Labour in the past on budget deals or anything, or is it more of a case-by-case -case basis? I, I mean, let, let's let's be honest. We're we're into the run-up to the to the uh, yeah. Senate elections um, uh, at that point, uh, and it's a matter of of all political parties, not 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 so much just what Plaid Cymru wants to do. Is all political parties then absolutely engaged in that vital work of? offering alternative visions to the people of Wales and and what I want to make sure that we're in a position to do at that point is to make that a compelling vision that people can uh, believe in and can trust in that sort of collective leadership to to deliver it. So you know for those who don't know you've had a reshuffle this week again for, for our listeners and viewers who, who don't know quite how that works in practical terms how does one go about doing a reshuffle? Yeah, I, I, I removed the word reshuffle from uh, from from one press release because I didn't think of it as a as a reshuffle. It was my it was my pattern yeah. for um, uh, for how I thought the team could could work best. Um, you try to work in a in a collegiate way. Uh, you try to find out what what people are interested in. Um, 
I had one saying, oh, please don't give me this. Uh, and, and fine, yeah. you know, I, I didn't. <laughs> so there's not one member uh, who's, uh, who, who's had to take something. But, uh, but no, you, you, you try to make the most of, uh, of the talents that you have, the interests that, that you have. If you have a member who really wants to do something, well, if, if, if you can accommodate that within, within a team, it, it kind of makes sense, uh, doesn't it? And yeah, it, it was a process I, I enjoyed some stay in similar roles to the roles that they had previously, some, uh, some new roles. Um, and uh, you know, looking across that team, you know, it really excites me. The, you know, there's, there's a really, really good, good team of Senate members here. Is it fair to say it is a case more of evolution than revolution in terms of the roles? Lots of, lots of the members are still doing similar sort of roles than they were doing. Yes, I mean, some, uh, some changes. Obviously, I'd been holding the health brief uh, delighted to see Mabon take on the health brief he's been very hands-on with you know Betty Cadwallader issues for example as a as a member representing a constituency in the, the north of Wales uh, and and clearly has shown an appetite to uh, address um, uh, issues relating to health and, and and housing is another one which is in his brief there's there's a correlation of course between you know poor housing and effect on on poor health but also again you know that deep deep interest that he has in in housing is it's great to be able to keep that together sean ed williams uh, would be in that sort of evolutionary uh description mm. Yeah, the work she's done on social justice is is so so strong. Why would I not want her to continue to do that? Delith and uh, on climate change, bringing in her in as a, as a Senate deputy is very very important to me. Here's Griffith, you know, on on rural affairs, a a, a brief that he is so so strong on. There's so much respect uh, for him, and I know he's delighted to, to going back to do that. Luke on on economy, I'm at real risk of forgetting somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know and Helleth bringing all of uh, of education uh, mm. together, um, you you try you know to, to get people to shadow as few ministers as uh, as possible. There's a little bit of sort of jigsaw building uh, there, and uh, yeah, and, and Predir, um you know playing a key role with. Uh, with the finance and local government portfolio there. But you know, it's difficult where you have designated members working mm. on the cooperation agreement. You, you haven't got the full pool of, of people to go into, into spokespeople uh, roles, but I'm confident we've got, a, uh, we've got a good set of people there. And Adam, of course, as well, playing a, a key role too. So is the, what well, you are the shadow of the, the First Minister. Yeah. Uh, how would you describe your relationship and how is that process of, of you know, being opposite the most power, well, most important powerful person in the Senate. I mean, I guess when you gauge how things are between me and the First Minister, it's very similar to how things are between Plaid Cymru and the cooperation agreement in that, you know, we have to work together on a number of, of things in order to get some things over, over the line. But also you want to hold to account as effectively uh, as possible and as, as powerfully uh, as possible. Um, we've uh, known each other as individuals for many years, such as Wales. I, I remember going to his office as a, as a journalist to interviewing interview him as a university professor so you know we our paths have crossed but but I, I think cross-party in general uh, here in in the Senate um, there's a lot of, uh, of respect um, uh, between uh, politicians uh, we disagree vehemently with each other on many things across party lines but when it comes to uh, Mark Drakeford and myself I think people um, 
uh, we'll see where the differences are uh, between us, but hopefully they'll see where we're able to work um, uh, maturely uh, together. But you know, I offer a very different vision uh, to Mark Drakeford, and it's my job uh, to make sure that that is is heard. It's a very, very uh, different uh, Wales that I I see to the one that Mark Drakeford describes. Okay, we're coming on to that now. So one of the things that you've you've focused on a lot since you were elected was. Um, the importance for Wales of rejoining the single market in the customs union. Why is that so important to you? I mean, in sheer practical terms, uh, first of all, uh, we have taken a walloping after Brexit, and it didn't need to happen. You know, we know that the um, uh, people told uh, people criticised us; those who'd voted to leave the European 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 Union criticised us for wanting to ignore the results of the Brexit referendum. Well, we couldn't ignore it because it had happened. But what we immediately uh, tried to do, whilst showing our d continued commitments to, uh, to Europe, of course, was to say, well, goodness me, if this is, if this is happening, how can we uh, protect and defend Wales's interests? And when I think back to the work that Stefan Lewis did, um, working with Welsh Government in putting forward a blueprint for how we could leave the European Union if we, if we had to after the vote, but protect our interests. Staying in the single market and customs union was front and centre to that because you, know, you don't have to leave uh, those. You can, if that was the desire, you know, I, I'll never agree that it was the right thing to do, but if that was the desire and that's what was voted for, we did not need to commit the self-harm uh, of leaving those, um, uh, those economic links. Uh, and that's the least, least I think we should uh, do uh, now. Um, it, it, it is, I, I'm saddened by Keir Starmer's uh, attitude towards uh, Europe and his failure to talk openly about the realities of the damage that Brexit is causing, we will talk about it and we will offer uh, solutions to that. And one of the solutions that could be implemented now is to seek to rejoin the single market uh, and the customs union for, you know, I've got Holyhead port in my mm -hmm. constituency, a big second busiest roll on roll off ferry port uh, in the UK um, that, that grew at an incredible rate uh, after the formation of the single market. And you know, now we're paying the price for Brexit. Obviously, Wales voted to leave. Do you not fear some sort of electoral kickback if, if Pride leads on issues such as this? Um, no, I, I think people would find it odd if we were to somehow change our minds mm. on the European, uh, European Union issue. But, but also, I have no doubt that there is a uh, realisation that it wasn't as easy to leave as some people might, uh, might have been led to believe through lies on the sides of buses at the time um, seven years uh, ago. We have to be true to our um, values of wanting the best for Wales, and I have no doubt that the best for Wales is by having the closest possible links with the European Union. I, I'd want to be a member of the European Union, but putting forward you know, pragmatic solutions such as joining the customs union uh, single market is just common sense to me, and, and we can't be shying away from that. Some would argue the easiest way for Wales to rejoin the single market and the customs union is as an independent yeah. country. Where do you think the independence campaign 
is in Wales? How, do you, would, how would you describe its current strength? I am uh, excited about where we are. Um, I have been a lifelong supporter of Welsh independence. It has always, always been uh, a no-brainer uh, to me that it would, um, that we would be best served by making our own decisions about our own future, our own destiny as as a nation. That's always been uh, the case. Um, it it felt. Um, in my sort of younger years as very much a, a minority uh, sport. You know, I, I wanted to have, you know, a, a Welsh parliament, um, but, you know, it, it, when I was very young, we'd voted rather heavily to even have, you know, the very sort of basic level of, uh, of devolution. So I wanted to get across uh, th that across the line, and we crept across the line in 1997. To get to a point now where you have, whether it's 20% at its lowest ebb or 35-40% at its highest ebb, saying in polls that they would support independence for Wales, it, 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 I find it exhilarating and exciting. Uh, I, I feel part of a, of a, mo a national movement. Um, you know, I was an early uh, member of, of Yes Cymru. I, I find it exciting that I'm able to be a member of that, as well as being a member of and, and leader now of, of Plaid Cymru. And I've no doubts that we are on a journey that will lead us to uh, independence. And the, the responsibility, that the ability to play a small part on that journey as leader of Plaid Cymru is, is something that I, that I find to be the, the greatest honour I could possibly have. But we can never settle on wanting to just deepen the commitment of those already committed to independence. Neither can we just settle on persuading those who are indie curious, though that's a really important part of, of, of our work too, and it's something I want to do every single day. We've still got to reach out to more and more people who ha haven't been willing to engage yet with a possibility that independence could be for them. And it's people who might have moved here from, from England recently, from other countries, and who, who, who are fearful of losing ties to other parts of the UK. I just don't see it in that way. I see it as a redesigning of our relationship with other countries in a sensible way that would benefit our partners in other parts of the UK too. So um, I think we're in a good place. And of course it's gonna be up and, up and down, but it's generally up. Obviously, there's much discussion in Scotland now about what the sort of thresholds are for referendums. Mm -hmm. In very practical terms, how do you think Wales gets to the point where we could, say, have a referendum on independence? We will have to go through similar uh, uh, hoops that, that they're having to jump through in, in Scotland. And some hoops you try to jump through and you realise that there's not even a hoop there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, So you're, you're trying to design the path uh, all, all the way. It's not easy, is it? Uh, you, know, I, I, you, know, you can do it through mandate in an election. You can do it through, um, uh, through getting a, a referendum. We haven't had one referendum in, in, in Wales. We, we will have it. And, and it's important to, to, to get the, the timing right uh, of calling that, that referendum. When you, when you believe, as, as I do, in um, decisions about the future of a country having to be taken by the people of that country, and the fact that we um, 
currently uh, haven't got that ability um, to, uh, to 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 choose the map, to, to, to create the map, to draw 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 the map. Well, I think that's something that that has to be put right. How you do it, we're not there yet, but we're getting very very close. And mapping those next stages, the practical stages, are part of now the development of that that yes sort of pro independence movement and why through Melin Dravod or Yes Cymru or research papers that Plaid um, Commission or you know answering questions day by day from from people we're mapping it out it's not just a a a nice idea it's mapping together how, how we deliver this and I'll you know it's a story I've told before going to Scotland and the run-up to the referendum there and seeing the the documents you know the plan the white paper for Scotland on the table in a cafe um, in Glasgow in tatters with coffee spilt all over it you know because people had been reading it and learning it and you know questioning it and no they didn't agree to it but it's all incremental and we'll get there, as will Scotland. Well, I mean, one of the easiest ways I can imagine that there being at least the belief that there is a mandate for independence is the creation of applied Cymru government. Yeah. Do you think that can happen? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you want it to happen yesterday. Uh, <laughs> if not yesterday, you want it to happen tomorrow. Um, but but I, I, I have no doubts that, you know, we are here um, because we want to form and, and lead a, a government. I'm also a, a rather strong believer in democracy and that you know it's, it's the people of Wales who will ultimately decide and unless we can offer something compelling to be able to you know run government alone one day, leading a partnership with another party one day, working as a, as, as, as a partner with another and getting influence on, on policy one day. You know, unless we get that message across, we're not, we're not going to get there. Um, that's the challenge in, in politics. And it's always trying to understand the aspirations of the people of Wales and showing that our aspirations as a party match theirs under a mirror of, of theirs. And that's people in all parts of Wales and people who haven't considered Plaid Cymru in the past because of you know, whatever um, preconceptions they have of what Plaid Cymru uh, may or may not be. Reen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Good to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Hiraith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.